why is this study somewhat of a landmark? slash afternoon that we've been doing the Psalms. One third of the way. Now some of you like math. <clears throat> that means if you take that number one third that's 33 and a third percent, isn't it? That means if we can do two times what we've done already, we'll have looked at every word in the Psalms, the longest book in the Bible. Now, probably most of you, if you took the time, you could read all the way through 2 John. And third John. And Jude. And Philemon. And throw Obadiah in too, but I don't think if you read all five of those, it'd still be as long as just the 119th song. <clears throat> but apart from the mathematical intrigue, there is something in Psalm 50 that addresses what goes on up here about God. Most religious systems are centered in man. That's what the Greeks did. They thought, what do I like? What do I aspire to? What are the noble ideals that mean something to me? And they said, I'm imagining there's some great beings. Basically what they did was to think of how they thought it was ideal to be as a human, and they expanded that. They extrapolated, and they said, that's what God is. I'm strong, God's stronger. I'm smart, God's smarter. I'm aware, God's aware. But that's a fundamental problem. And the Lord addresses that in this psalm. You know why your theology is wrong, mister? Because you think that you can shrink me down and figure me out. You all know what it says in Isaiah about the difference between God's thoughts and man's, God's ways and man's? Sir? His ways are above our ways. This much? As far as the heavens are. <laughs> as much as the heavens are than the earth. He doesn't say as high as the moon is. Now, they say the average American in his lifetime will drive the equivalent of the distance to the moon. Uh, 200. 50 or so thousand miles. 
Maybe if you're a professional driver, you drive a bit more. But really, the moon's not that far away when you think in terms of the cosmos. You know how long it takes a beam of light to get from here to the moon and back? That's it. About a second and a half to get there. The same amount of time to get back. How about to get to the sun? How long does it take anything moving to the speed of light to get to the sun from where I stand? Anybody know? Eight to nine minutes. Now, what's the name of the star closest to the Earth? Somebody said Alpha Centauri. No, that's a trick question. You're right, it's the sun. We forget the sun is a star. But excluding the sun, what's the closest star? We call it Alpha Centauri. Traveling the speed of light, it would take over four years to get there. And Alpha Centauri is right here in our galaxy. And there are lots of galaxies as far as the heavens as high as the heavens are above the earth that's the gap between our thinking and God's thinking our ways and his ways when you start reducing God to the way you value things and you interpret God in terms of your ideals. You mess up. I mess up. <clears throat> we must see things from his perspective. Yeah. Let's read this psalm. And then there's one verse I want to key in on. I bet you'll know. We'll get through. The mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God hath shone. Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous round about him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth, that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And the heavens shall declare his righteousness. For God is judge himself. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices and thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me. I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats, out of thy folds. Every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. By the way, how many hills do you think there are on planet Earth? That's a pretty safe bet. I would imagine there are probably a thousand hills just in Arkansas. 
Now, as far as I can recall, there aren't a whole lot of hills in Arizona or Florida, but uh, the other states make up for it. I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, an English teacher would have a field day with that one. I do too. If I were hungry, God says, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. Will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. But unto the wicked God saith, What hast thou to do to declare my statutes, or that thou shouldst take my covenant in thy mouth? Seeing thou hatest instruction, and castest my words behind thee. Ooh. Imagine God saying that to you and me. You hated instruction. You know I may tell you what to do. You're taking my words and throwing them behind you. <laughs> That's so it's God talking. That better not be something you ever say. Or I say. When thou sawest a thief, then thou consentest with him, and hast been partaker with adulterers. Thou givest thy mouth to evil, and thy tongue and frameth deceit. Thou sittest and speakest against thy brother. Thou slanderest thine own mother's son. These things hast thou done, and I kept silence. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such an one as thyself. But I will reprove thee and set them in order before thine eyes. Now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. And to him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. You know what I say when I read this song? Wow! Amen. Chesler wrote a book. Ain't God good? He is. Whether Chesler said it or not. Whether Steve Rain says it or not. God is great. Now, I could have a field day with this song, but I have told you I want to preach one song, one Sunday. So I told you I'm going to pick one verse. You want to hazard what verse I want to locate on? Six is a good one. That's not the one today. Twelve. Twelve is good. Twenty-one is good. Twenty-three is good. Anybody else? Going? Going? Ten. Ten? No, two. Two! Woo-hoo! That's another good one. Well, it's 23 verses. Somebody's got to be right. I wonder which one of you was right. Because one of you were. Juan is a Spanish name. It's also 
Ian and Irish. It's also Owen and Welsh. It's also Sean and Scotland. Sean was wrong. Psalm 21. This is God's warning to the wicked. <clears throat> you can be wrong about something, and maybe it makes a big difference, and maybe not. The man across the street from us thought he knew something about cars. And my first car it was a Studebaker. <laughs> What's a Studebaker? Now there's one in the museum here in town. Mm -hmm. And I drove it in one day and didn't seem to want to run. And the guy across the street came over and he says, I think I know what's wrong. And he got out his long screwdriver. And I don't know if he hit the voltage regulator or what it, but a <coughs> bunch of sparks came out. See if it'll start now. Still wouldn't start. Well, that wasn't it. He walked away. <laughs> yeah, I've met a lot of people who are that kind of help. I try not to be that kind of help if there's a problem. If I don't know what it, the problem is, let's find somebody that knows. <coughs> but there are some people, they think they can fix God. They think they can fix our misunderstandings about God. You ask somebody, what do you think about... Well, here's what I think. No offense, folks. I'm not talking to the guy in the mirror, too. It really doesn't matter what you think and what I think. What say the Scriptures? We get our ears pinned back sometimes and realize that God tells us things we might not want to hear. We talked a little bit this morning about men wanting their ears tickled. Here's what I like. I want the smooth things. The things that go down comfortable. The hard things of Scripture. Some people stop their ears. They don't want to hear it. But if you want the whole counsel of God, you've got to read the whole thing. I told somebody not too long ago, they said, what do you preach on Sunday nights? Well, we have Sunday afternoon service. What do you preach? Right now we're going through the psalm. Oh, I like Psalm 23. That's my favorite chapter. And I had a lot of fun with that. Some people think that the rest of it is just filler. But it's all important. And he says something very important here in verse 21. <clears throat> because we talk about the old-time religion. You don't hear a whole lot about repentance these days, do you? When Jonathan Edwards preached a sermon in 1741 for the first time, sinners in the hands of an angry God. People were used to la-di-da sermons. Mary said when she was in Germany, she went to an interdenominational service. And she said, Dad, what the preacher had to say was like this. God is good. Have a cookie. And that was it, basically. I'm sure he took longer to say it, but that was his thrust. Everything was cool, so to speak. But Jonathan Edwards, in the midst of, well, I think I've talked about it before, there was a teaching known as the Halfway Covenant. 
in which people were told, look, uh, we'll meet you halfway. This is really all you want from the church. And if you're willing to do this little bit, then we will do that for you. We won't ask anything of you. Don't expect anything else from us. Sort of a halfway. You know, there aren't really any Christians that are halfway. They might act halfway. They might think halfway. But we need to be wholehearted in hearing and obeying what God has to say. I know it's easy to say. As I said, uh, Jonathan Edwards said, Peter, let me tell you what. If you laugh about your sins, if you think it's a small thing, your sins separate you from God. And if you want a good illustration of that, I want you to think of yourself like a spider suspended above a fire by a single cord. At any moment, the flames could jump up and take you. At any moment, that cord could break. That's you, sinner. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. What's the last time you heard somebody talk about God being angry? You think he's ever angry? There was a... These two words don't even belong together. She was a lady preacher and she wrote a whole book. God is not angry with you. And yet, we've already read how in the Psalms it says, God is angry with the wicked every once in a while. Oh, that's the wrong version. You know what it really says? God is angry with the wicked every day. If it ends in a Y, God is angry with the wicked. And there was a time when all of us we're wicked. Now we're still sinners, but some of us are paid sinners, but we're still sinners. The old man of you and me just as much hates this book and the God of this book as ever did. Now that's going to end when you go to be with the Lord. But until you die, until I die, unless the Lord comes first, there's a party you'd rather be anywhere I talked to one guy. I'd rather have a root canal and go to church. Well, I guess church ain't so comfy for him. It's interesting that there aren't but two settings. In the case of Noah, men mocked Noah when he preached repentance. They dismissed his preaching while rationalizing their conduct. Some people, it says they were marrying and giving in marriage. And someone said, that means it's wrong to get married. No, it doesn't mean it's wrong to get married. They were eating and drinking. Oh, we shouldn't eat or drink. Well, guess what? You're not going too long if you don't eat or drink. But the point is, it was life without interruption. Life without consequence. Just keep on keeping on. You turn on the typical TV show. When's the last time you saw somebody sit down at the table before they take a bite of food? They thank the Lord. When's the last time you saw somebody when they have a critical decision? They said, let's pray about this. 
know, they'll talk to their buddies, they'll concert, consult their horoscope, or visit Madame Volga and her crystal ball. But anybody who thinks God has anything to do with that is just some kind of nut. Probably harmless. But just dismiss them. When Mr. Darwin came along and advanced his origin of species, he basically said, I'm not saying God isn't around. I'm just saying you can explain the whole thing and leave him out of the explanation completely. A lot of people like that. They don't want God in the picture. They don't want to consider him. Think as I said about verse 21. It tells us what men have done. It also tells us what men have thought. Because you can put on a good show. You can talk real good talk. You can impress a lot of people. But the Lord knows your heart and mind. Yours, mine, all of us. We don't get anything over on the Lord. He knows what you're going to think before you think it. He knows where you're going to go before you go there. He knows what you're going to do before you do it. <coughs> so, it talks about what men have done. It talks about what men have thought. And it talks about what God will do. Look at, again at verses 16 through 20. But unto the wicked God saith, What hast thou to do to declare my statutes? When's the last time you walked into McDonald's? And by the way, you can go John 3, 16, you got a free Big Mac. You ever heard that? I haven't. You find out one, I don't even McDonald's burger. You told me about something like that. But you probably have to find it. Or that thou shouldst take my covenant in thy mouth. What's God's take on a thing? How does God assess such and such? Or to think God's thoughts after him? That was a movement about 500 years ago in which somebody said, we need to think God's thoughts after him. That idea has always been <coughs> among God's people, but it came to prominence, and thankfully some people are still thinking that way. We ought to think God's thoughts after. God is the actor. We are the reactors. Seest, seeing thou hatest instruction, and castest my words behind thee. When thou sawest a thief, then thou consentest with it. Oh, there you go. Guy's got to feed his family. After all, everybody's got their ambitions. I don't blame them for being created. And has been partaker with adulterers. Thou givest thy mouth to evil, and thy tongue frameth deceit. Thou sittest, sittest and speaketh against thy brother. Thou slanderest thine own mother's son. Going the wrong way. Doing the wrong stuff. God charges such with hypocrisy, with despising the good, with defiling, with defaming what should be highly esteemed. It reminds us of what we read in Romans 3 where Paul says there is none that doeth good, no not one. And he talks about through and through. Folks, as sinners, we're stinkers. No good thing emanates from us. No good thing is enjoyed by us in flesh. 
And uh, it's interesting this morning, again, in Sunday school, we looked at 1 Timothy chapter 3 and 4. And everyone was like, you think we're in the last days? Oh, absolutely. When did it start? About 2,000 years ago. But today, we live in a time in which men love pleasure more than God. Their own agenda has been set. And as long as they get their way, they are okay. They want to please men. And most important, they want to please themselves. If God happens to like it too, well, that's okay, but sure didn't do it to please Him. Reminds me of that funeral we went to a few years ago with a lady. The family told the preacher, she died on her knees. So the preacher said, so-and-so must be in heaven because she died on her knees. And a couple of the kiddos were chuckling because they told out later. She was on her knees because she wanted to change the channel on the TV and couldn't find the remote. Sometimes we give people a little more credit than maybe not to. Now in spite of what men do, God keeps silent many times. He is long-suffering. People look at horrific things. That, what was he, 18 years old that shot all those people in Texas? Started by killing his grandma? And then how many kiddos did he kill? And then two teachers? That's terrible. Why didn't God stop him He's long-suffering. We knew a young lady. Had a very promising life. Just graduated college. Ready to go in a teaching profession. And her brilliant, in the eyes of the world, husband, shot her dead. Then he shot himself. People said, why didn't you just shoot himself first? At least she would have survived. And sometimes people... How could God, why did God let it happen that way? God has a purpose in it. And you and I might think till the cows come home as to what would be a better way, but we fool ourselves if we think we got it figured out better than the Lord. He's long-suffering, but it says in Numbers 14, He will in no wise clear the guilty. You might get away with something in the eyes of men, you might not stand at the bar of justice and be condemned by a judge of this world, but the judge of all the earth, he's got all the evidence. There are no loopholes. There's either hell or forgiveness in Christ. Say, I don't want Christ. I'll not just have this one to reign over me. You asked for it. That's what happened. His silence is sometimes mistaken for approval, or at least as disinterest. Just as sometimes when we follow the example of Christ and we're meek, people assume that means you are weak. No. It means we're obedient to Christ. 
So we think about what men have thought, and then we think about what they've done, and then we think about what they have thought. <laughs> a man named J.B. Phillips translated the New Testament. And he had an interesting way of putting things. He said, your problem is your God is too small. And another man wrote a book more recently when God is small and people are big. If you're more afraid about what people think, I have been thinking about this week. It's like somebody, I think in Sunday school, they were talking about this, that, the other. And it came in my mind in Proverbs 29. I think it's verse 25. The fear of man brings a snare. Men might not like that. Men might take offense at that. Paul wrote to the Galatians in chapter 4, verse 8. He said something. He said so much in just a few words. He said, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Some people don't want to hear the truth. I don't know what movie it is, but every once in a while I see a clip with a guy who says, you can't handle the truth. Well, it's true. A lot of times, we can't. In Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 20, there's a rhetorical question. Shall a man make gods unto himself, and they are no gods? Anything that you make more important to you than anyone or anything else, that's a god to you. We were talking about that this morning, too. Sometimes on Sunday morning you see people that worship their gods or take them out to the lake or doing something else. And it doesn't have to be what they might do on a Sunday. Some people's career is more important to them than God. Some people's comfort is more important to them than God. Some people's cash is more important to them than God. What? Give money to the church? I don't think so. I worked for it. God is much displeased with the foolish and cheap views that people have of what a God is. Reminds me of Pharaoh. And Moses stood before him and through Aaron said, let my people go. He said, who's your God that I should obey him? After all, I'm Pharaoh. I'm somebody. Sun rises and sets because I tell it to According to their way of thinking. 115th Psalm says, When men fashion a God, they make them like themselves. You know how we think? Well, this little God, he can think. We have ears, he has ears. The psalmist says, They have ears, but they don't hear a thing. They have eyes, they can't see a thing. They have hands, they can't grasp a thing. You might give them feet, but you got to pick them up and tote them around from place to place. They don't even make good folks. And yet people call them gods. What is it that men have done? During the so-called enlightenment, reason was exalted to be above God. Now in my readings I came across a man, he had tremendous initials. His name was Samuel Rutherford. And he was a preacher. And he wrote a book, Lex Rex. That's Latin, which means law is king. And he says that's because God has established the principles of law, and we need to honor God. God comes first. And it was pretty well received among saved people. 
But you know, there's always the smart I like. Always the guy who's too smart to think much about God, the enlightened one. And one of the leaders was a guy named John Locke. And John Locke took Lex Rex and he pulled God out and plugged in reason. And reason becomes God. In Paris, France, they once built a cathedral. Not to the God of the Bible, but to reason. Let's be reasonable. When the world says that, they mean, let's think according to human ways, human understandings. They fashion gods of their own very limited knowledge, hence Isaiah 55. My thoughts, God says, are higher than your thoughts, and my ways than yours, as the heavens are higher than the earth. That's how much God's ways and God's thoughts eclipse and transcend man's. And probably you've heard it. I told you a few years ago I heard this country song playing with a guy in the chorus saying, Come on in. You did the best as you could do. If that's not bad enough, he said, there's a little bit of you, me, and there's a little bit of me in you. Well, that makes you feel great. There's a little bit of God in me. If I do something good, that's because there's a little bit of God in me. Well, if that's not pantheism, it's pretty close. You know, it's interesting that God gave Ten Commandments, and the first was that don't have any other gods, and the second don't make any other gods. There's only one God. Somebody says, well, I worship this God. You're just fooling around. Paul told the Galatians, you used to worship things that weren't even gods. Something's carved out of stone. Something that's a product of your overactive imagination. The Greeks did it in a reasonable way, and then the Romans latched onto that. It's interesting, the first two commandments talk about having, making what I got. And then the tenth commandment says, don't covet. And Paul twice in the New Testament says, covetousness is idolatry. How can covetousness, you know, I look at so-and-so's nice house or nice car or nice boat. I wish I had, I'd steal to get that. I'd kill to get that. I'd tell a lie to get that. I'd do anything. Nothing would keep me from if I could get that thing by doing the thing, I'm going to do it. You know what? That's because covetousness. Well, you know what you do when you covet? You're saying, God made a mistake. He gave that to that person. I should have. So you're making another God. You're fashioning another God. And so that's why Paul twice speaks of covetousness, which is idolatry. They overlap. Well, what will God do? Well, I think most, if not all of you, know that God's going to have the last word. People can posture and suppose and ignore and do all kinds of stupid stuff. But in the end, they're going to die and they're going to face the Lord. And that's not some panel of the best and brightest of humanity. One man told me, I'll tell you what, he happened to be a Mormon. You can probably figure that out from what I'm going to tell you. He said, when I die, 
I'll have to stand before God the Father, Jesus, and Joseph Smith. Now, he's, he's wrong on a point there. But Jesus said, the gentle Jesus, the one that the world wants to say, I got a friend in Jesus. They'll deny what the Bible says about sin. But I got a friend in Jesus. Well, he's a friend of sinners, but those are the sinners who admit they're sinners and need Jesus. What's he say here? Again, that's probably something you're familiar with. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone that saith unto me. Folks are going to say this to me, Jesus said. Not to the Pope. Not to the preacher. Not to the board of the church. Not to anybody or anything else. Not even a Michael or Gabriel or angels. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. And you think about all the good things you've done. Lord knows your heart. Lord knows your mind. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. That's not all he said. Keep reading. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Oh, we've gone the extra mile. We've stuck our neck out there and stood up for Jesus. And in thy name have cast out devils. Oh, they must be saved people. They, they're able to cast out demons. And thy name done many wonderful works. I'm really impressed. People say, what does Jesus say? And then will I profess and then find sort of like at one time, but I changed my mind. That's from Bible here says that. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You see, our Lord, even though there's sin all around, there are truly abounds. But yet, when the whole thing comes down, Ecclesiastes, the last chapter, the last verse. Ecclesiastes 12, 14. For God shall bring every word into judgment. What you say, I won't bring up to you in heaven. And you won't bring up things I say. But the Lord will. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing. Whether it be good or whether it be evil. Does that get your attention? It really should. Sometimes people have all kinds of ideas. The fact of the matter is the wheels of justice may seem to grind slowly, but they grind exceeding fine. They do execute justice. And he will do this before all. Sometimes Christians worry about this, worry about that. David was used of the Spirit to write, fret not yourself over evil doers. Instead of worrying about how these bad people get away with doing this bad stuff, you do the right thing. You're to be occupied in honoring the Lord. And to close, how does this psalm close? You know, there just happens to be a song here. Let me sing. And then you sing along the second time, okay? It goes like this. 
the soul offereth praise, glorifieth me. The soul offereth praise, glorifieth me. And to him that ordereth his conversation aright, will I show the salvation of God. Join me, please. Who so offereth praise, glorifieth me. Who so offereth praise, glorifieth me. And to him that ordereth his conversation aright, will I show the salvation of God. And you have now traveled one-third of the way through the song. Let's stand for word.